Listening to your favorite podcast? That's smart. Earning your degree online from Southern New Hampshire University? That's really smart. With 24-7 access to coursework, no set class times, and dedicated student support, you can go to school when and where it works for you. Low online tuition means you can even do it for less. And dedicated student support means we'll be with you from day one to graduation and beyond. Join a community of learners just like you. Go to snhu.edu today to start your free application. The legends are true. Overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Hi guys, and welcome back to another episode of Hashtag No Filter. Today's guest is probably one of my favorite humans. Her name is Stephanie Barthmere. You might have heard of her because, uh, well, you might just have heard of her. And I've also mentioned her plenty of times on my Instagram stories. She was my therapist when I was living in Houston a while ago, and she's absolutely incredible. I was initially referred to her from a dear friend of mine, and then I referred her, or I referred a lot of friends of mine, other friends of mine, to Stephanie. So a lot of people I know have actually seen Stephanie, and some people I don't know have seen Stephanie um, who have learned of her through me because I really have sung her praises for good reason. She is just so knowledgeable, so great at what she does. She really did change my life and helped me navigate all sorts of different things. And she's amazing. I've actually had her on my blog uh, once before. I think it was during COVID. Um, I will link to that blog post. It was a little interview with her, but I'm really excited to have her on the podcast today. I absolutely loved our conversation. We talked about so many different things and the very end of it sort of turned into like a mini therapy session for me. So selfishly, I was excited to, uh, <laughs> to have Stephanie on the podcast just because it kind of felt like therapy, but no, it really was a great conversation and I think you're going to love it. So let's get into it. Here is Stephanie Barthmere on this episode of Hashtag No Filter. Welcome to Hashtag No Filter. Stephanie, how are you? I am delighted to be here, Julie. Thank you so much for having me. Of course, of course. So in the intro, people will understand, the listeners will understand who you are, how we're connected. Um, and obviously, we're going to be chatting about some of that throughout the episode. But I am just so excited to have you on. I've raved about you on my Instagram and to my friends. I've referred a lot of people to you like, uh, you, you, you know, changed my life. And you know that I've told you that. So we're going to talk about a bunch of different things. But before we get into it, in a nutshell, can you give a little background on who you are, what you do, and guess how we're connected? <laughs> Absolutely. Um, I have been a therapist um, since uh, 2001. I actually worked for Houston Methodist Hospital for about 16 and some years while simultaneously doing a private practice. And I left Houston Methodist um, just physically, not in heart, um, mm. still have many connections there. It was a great experience. And I learned so much there as well as doing one-on-one um, -on -one and couples work uh, with people in my private practice, which I now do primarily um, virtually. And one or two days a week, I still do at my office in the Rice Village area here in Houston. Mm -hmm. Amazing. And so Stephanie was my therapist when I lived in Houston for a while, but 
I haven't, she hasn't been my therapist for a while because when I moved and, and whatnot, but we've stayed in touch, but she hasn't really been my therapist since I lived in Houston. So she actually was on my, remember you were on my blog. We That's that right. Mm-hmm. That's right. Someone referenced that recently. Um, really? That's so funny. I'll mm-hmm. link to it so people can read it. But I interviewed Stephanie on the blog a couple years back. And so now I'm really excited to have her here. And, and selfishly, I feel like, I mean, it's not going to be a therapy session for me right now, but like selfishly, I'm like, I feel like I'm getting a therapy session. (laughs) It is wonderful to see you. Well, you too. So as you know, hashtag no filter is about all topics, talk about everything. It's unfiltered conversations with really interesting, dynamic people, um, all different backgrounds, all different professions and everything. But one of the main topics that always comes up on the podcast, which I love because I love talking about it, is dating and relationships and marriage and, you know, all of that stuff and sex, anything that has to do with that, that it really, we talk about other things maybe, and then it like falls back into that, um, into those categories. And I think it's simply because people love hearing about that and, and, and everything. So a lot of the questions I have for you today and the topics I want to go over have to do with dating and relationships. So I kind of want to start it just a general question, what you think about this, being a therapist and having clients, having patients, and I'm sure a lot of them have dating stories, relationship stuff going on. What are your thoughts right now on dating in general and dating in general these days? Like, what do you notice? Is there any like, not themes, but like, have you noticed there a big shift since COVID or what are you noticing with dating and your clients? Well, um, you know, dating is a different phase of relationship than actually having selected a partner. And I was reading something very recently that was talking about the rate of marriage, the percentage of people that are actually getting married as a result of their dating relationship is decreasing. And one thing I am seeing uh, as part of the reason this article was kind of giving different reasons uh, why that's happening is that there's so much availability to date people now through these dating apps that Mm -hmm. I think people have become sort of accustomed to not putting as much energy and investment Mm -hmm. into their relationships, their new relationships, because if Mm -hmm. something doesn't go favorably, they can just move on to sort of the next uh, person. And so I think the one thing that I'm seeing is that it's highly anxiety provoking to be single right now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It is highly anxiety provoking to, um, to put yourself out there in different Mm -hmm. environments, whether it is on a dating Mm -hmm. app or Mm -hmm. just kind of being open to receiving Mm -hmm. someone new as a, you know, potential person you might want to get together with. Um, But that's a very different place and a very anxiety provoking, vulnerable place for people to be, because in essence, other people are evaluating and judging you. And so what I'm noticing is that there isn't so much investment in these early um, relationships or in the time spent in this early period. And um, sometimes that, uh, um, you know, uh, limits or minimizes kind of your opportunity to find out if this person could be a really good, uh, a really good fit. Right, right. No, that makes sense. And I think, do you think like part of it, you know, with some of my friends who are single right now, and we'll chat about it, and, and, you know, they have a hard time, especially if they're in their mid 30s. And you know, they might want kids like there are a variety of reasons they might feel you know, or, or they just, they, you know, they're having a hard time with it, let's say. And so I was talking to someone, I don't know, a friend of mine the other day about it. And is it also like, I, I feel like society is built to, to, for couples. Like, I feel like there's, yeah. that's, that's part, legitimate. That's legitimate. Right? And, 
Is it also, you know, and this is a topic I, you know, you and I have talked about, but like that, that unknown and, and is it because like, maybe you grow up in life and you just assume like, this is the path that you take, you do this, you get a job, you get married, you have kids, like that's so like, that's kind of what you know to be maybe. And so there's this like unknown piece and maybe it's the, 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 I don't know, the comfort of something versus the unknown. I don't know. I kind of just want to talk about that. And, and, you know, you and I have talked about it with me, like I'm very good in the comfortable and what I know. And then the unknown causes me anxiety. Well, um, so I'm going to spin your question just a little bit to um, reflect um, part of what I'm hearing you say is that the comfort of what's familiar Mm -hmm. um, keeps me safe, keeps me from having to feel my anxiety. Mm -hmm. And in fact, um, back to your question about kind of what do I notice? What are the trends? What I'm seeing is that... um, people aren't so comfortable with conflict. So that leads me to your question right now is that what is comfortable when it's conflict free means I don't have to actually negotiate to navigate the challenges that are surfacing. And so if something's comfortable, I kind of know what to expect. I kind of know what I can um, count on or what's reliably Mm going to be the outcome of this. And, um, And there's both a safety in that but there's mm-hmm. also a flatness in that. What I know and what I'm comfortable can be kind of flat. It's not right. always what uh, makes me feel alive and happy mm-hmm. and connected right. to my mm-hmm. essence, to my sexuality, to my mm-hmm. to my um, zhuzh, if you right, will. Right, right, right. Yeah, and I, and I know, like, just speaking from personal experience in so many different areas of my life that the comfort, like you said, is like, that's what it's kind of just what it's what makes sense. It's it's what I mean, I don't know how else to articulate it. It's like what you know, but then that unknown can be super exciting. And it can be like the right thing. But sometimes you can be paralyzed, right in the anxiety of moving to that right thing, right? I mean, that's right. Yeah, that's right. And and in new relationships, you don't always have the opportunity to navigate Mm -hmm. the unknown or the differences. I'm going to call the unknown kind of differences. Love that. And that's that's uh, the challenging part. The less we know, the more we're alike, right? You following what I'm saying? Right. The less we know about somebody, the more I can imagine, fantasize, project right. onto you exactly what I want you to be. The right. more I know, the less I can do that. The less I know, the more you are my fantasy, the more you are my, um, my ideal, the more I know, the less you are my ideal. And then we fall into the, the opportunity, the possibility of navigating conflict. Mm -hmm. And that Mm -hmm. is very, very difficult and doesn't usually surface in kind of the dating Realm right or the dating stage of things the because dating it doesn't stage get that far. right well we're always accommodating we're right. um wanting to put our best oh no no what would you prefer yeah yeah what do you want oh let me put my best on and in fact i tell new couples all the time when they come to see me one of the most valuable things you can do in these earlier stages is to be able to show who you really are risk it express right. your preferences Right, right. And then determine how do we work through these differences? Right. Like you might as well get it all out there, right? And have those conversations and share your needs and whatever, because 
I mean, if not now, when, right? And it's better. But I, but I feel like in the early stages of dating, there is, I'm sure, I'm sure I've been guilty of it. There's, you want to be like this, not no one's perfect, we know, but like this perfect little person, right? Like, is there some of that, like, especially I would imagine people are really, really wanting to be in a relationship. So at that beginning, they don't want to like ruffle feathers or maybe they don't want to, I don't know. Is that risk it? They don't want to take the risk. Yeah. Because if I take a risk, this person might evaluate, judge, Mm -hmm. um, not necessarily. And this is kind of back to my first answer is they might not necessarily want to put the time in because they can go back to the app and they can. Right. And there's so many choices. There's There's so so many choices. It's crazy. So you said something about, you know, uh, just, just, you know, when you're in the beginning of a relationship or even just when you're starting to date, like not even in a relationship about trusting yourself. And I know you and I've had countless conversations about trusting myself and, 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 and as hard as it can be, why is it so hard to trust yourself? Mm. Not Mm -hmm. everyone, that's not everyone out there, but for me personally, it has been hard in the past to trust myself. Well, it's, it's hard to sort of give a global answer that would attend to everyone's reasons, right? I don't really know why for everyone. Um, but but if I were to just sort of speak more generally, oftentimes as children, we are given information that we can't trust ourselves, that trusting right. ourselves or following our own impulses or our own needs doesn't always work for the family unit. It doesn't always um uh, allow for the family to operate uh, f- function efficiently. And so the mm-hmm. child's needs are kind of um, uh, streamed into the rest of the family's needs. And, and, and that makes it very difficult over time then to really have confidence in what I need as being accurate or as being something I can sort of rely on to guide me. Right, right, right. And that, so I guess then what would you say is like, if someone does have a hard time trusting themselves or someone's in the middle of making a decision and they know like their gut is telling them something, but for some reason, it's just hard. They can't like do that thing. What is like some words of wisdom or advice you could give someone to guide them? It's a great question. That is a really great question. (laughs) And it makes me, well, it is, but it makes me think about what's at risk. What mm-hmm. is at risk um, when I trust myself that, that yep. if I'm at that decision making point and my my internal system is saying one thing, but I can't quite pull the trigger or I can't make myself do it. What is at risk if I, in fact, trust myself? What am I risking? Am I risking other people and their um evaluation of me being negative? Am I risking not being liked? Am I risking being exposed or Mm -hmm. perhaps uh, feeling too vulnerable? Mm -hmm. Am I risking um, not getting what I want? Mm -hmm. What am I risking? And that people pleasing, um, um, accommodating way that many people are reared. I mean, and again, these are not bad traits. Mm -hmm. It's just that they they jeopardize us being able to trust or be true to ourselves. Right, right, Oftentimes in order to accommodate someone else, I betray myself. Mm -hmm. Oh, I think, I mean, that's people pleasers, right? Like that's, and I, you know, I I think I've gotten better with it, but I I think I'm a people pleaser to a fault. And some people might say, that's a great thing. 
not when your own needs. Well, it's great for the other person. Sure. Because in fact, they're getting much of what they want. But in fact, your um, inability or challenge difficulty with being able to be true to yourself means that 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 risk that you're getting ready to take just feels too scary. And so you have to grow your bandwidth to be able to do it. And maybe it's just a little bit at a time. Yeah. Right. It's like, is it like a muscle you would say, like something you have to work at? Like, I I think, yeah. I mean, the muscle is the getting comfortable, having a a wider bandwidth to, to um, be able to tolerate the discomfort of somebody else's unhappiness. It's so hard. It's very difficult. It's, I mean, I even, someone else will be unhappy with my decision. What is that going to feel like? Well, of course, that's going to make you reluctant to make that decision. Yeah, of course, especially someone, you know, like yourself, as you have said, um, who wants to accommodate, who wants everybody around her to be happy. It breaks your heart for anyone to be unhappy or miserable around you. And then to feel feel responsible for that. Yes, you feel their pain. Or even like, even, you know, with a friend or someone I'm close to a family member, whoever it is, if I'm in a relationship, like if that person's going through something or having a really hard time or whatever, I like feel like I feel their pain with them. Like, Mm. it's not, it's not like, sure, it's a good thing to be empathetic, but I think it's actually, it has done like a, it's, it's to a fault for me. Like I, I, Mm. I really like take on people's emotions. And so I mean, it's something that I'm, I think I'll be working on forever. But like you said, it's it's hard. Like if you're going to make a decision that could not even like in a relationship, in a friendship with work, whatever, but that could ultimately not upset them. It's but hurt them. But it's not because you're a mean person. It's just it, it's hard to like then envision. They might you- react. Right, they might right, have a right, reaction to right. it. Some of which will have to do yeah. with your decision or or what's going on with you. But a lot of which doesn't have to do with what's happening right now. Right. It has to do with other things in their life, their history, and all the things that bring them to that moment in their life. Right. Right. In the moment to discern that, to really slow things down and 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 be able to kind of attribute and understand and 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 really deconstruct, that's a difficult thing. Right. It it really is. It's hard. And I feel like it's one of those things that even if you've like worked on it or you, you've gone through situations, another situation, a completely different situation might arise, right? And then like, you're, it's kind of like back to square one because it's a completely different situation. There you are again, <laughs> having to discern, can yeah. I be true to myself? And so back right. to your question about making a decision. Well, there's a lot at stake every time you make a decision, whether it's right. in a relationship or around, you know, even just where you're going to dinner, you're exposing something and being vulnerable by expressing your preference. Because ultimately what you're saying is I'm exposing that you might not agree with this or you might want something different. And how we navigate that, that's actually the next uh, right. step in growing your bandwidth. Right. No, We've got to so navigate yeah. something that's uncomfortable between us. And that's never easy. Never no. easy ever. No, that's right. <laughs> it's just part of, part of growth, I guess. So with that, you know, navigating that, like that next phase, that next step, there's also this component, this piece that you and I have also spoken about a lot about this. What if like the idea of what if versus what is, or the idea of um, uh, false narratives in one's head or like spiraling, when, you know, so if someone's making a decision and they're trying to discern something and 
they might've made their decision and their gut is telling them and it's all good, but then they'll go down the rabbit hole, the spiral of all the other thoughts. And then, well, what if this happens? And there was something you had said to me a while, like, I don't know the exact situation, but I had said, well, what if something? And you were like, then we'll deal with it at that time. Like mm-hmm. what, you know, like, so, yes. so, is so that, what I'm, what yeah. I'm hearing you say is that preemptively, um, we or a person might be running through scenarios that could um, be win-win for everybody. They're running through scenarios. And then when they stumble on one that might not uh, be so favorable or might have a difficult outcome, um, uh, that troubleshooting or or trying to avoid that unfavorable outcome is uh, high on your mind. And what I seem to remember about the couple of times that we spoke of that is that that wasn't upon us yet. The next difficulty, if you made the decision, had not arisen yet. And so that when the next thing arises, we work with what's happened then. But to make decisions for the future actually creates anxiety. We don't know yet how the future will show up. Right, right. And so exactly. that's why I, I, at least from what I'm remembering in my mind is that, you know, you wanted to have a decision that worked now and worked a month from now and three months from now and six months from now. Right. And we could not come up with any decisions for you that would work right now and then a month and three months you don't and six know. months. Because we don't know. And we don't right. know all the factors. And so you said, what if this? What if that? And well, of course, if this or that, then we work with that when it arises. When it arises. Because I notice sometimes with, again, not with any one area of my life, but in general, sometimes I, um, not catastrophize, but sometimes I like, I almost like plan for worst case scenario. <laughs> like, like, right? Is that so Like, I almost like, well, You're not alone, Julie. Right. <laughs> And well, it's like, especially people who want everyone to be happy around them. Yeah, yeah, if yeah. I plan for all the worst case scenarios, perhaps I can guarantee that everyone around me will be, well, at least happy-ish. Maybe not fully right. happy, but happy-ish. But if I don't plan for worst case scenarios, someone might be upset with me or blame me or attribute something to me that, that doesn't feel so good. Right. Exactly. exactly. And I want to avoid that at any cost. Right. So then for me, I'm like, well, if I plan, not that I'm like consciously like planning, but 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 you might be able to avoid in my mind, it then helps if that scenario happens. But then I have to remind myself that quote, worst case scenario could happen, but it could be different than what I was planning. So the script isn't the script anymore. And then, and then I have to deal with it anyway. That's right. (laughs) It's like a waste of energy. And so the growing of the bandwidth applies in all circumstances, not just in trusting yourself to be able to tolerate what happens, but in when something does happen, being able to hold that too, right. to hold that right. discomfort too. And then with your wits about yeah. you, be able to kind of discern, okay, what's next? Right. It's, it's, that's something you've, you've said to me a lot. Like what's it's holding next? that discomfort, like, well, being able to sit with the discomfort and then what's next. And my thing has been in the past, where sometimes it's really hard for me to sit with the discomfort. <laughs> yes. I mean, I mean, in who, which I guess case, when it's hard for you to sit with the discomfort, what happens for you? Well, that's when I get, I think that's when my anxiety probably revs up, right? And it makes me, that's probably when I then spiral down the rabbit hole and make up and false start to do in my head. All, and, start and start to do all the people-pleasing <laughs> behaviors yep, yep, that, yep. in fact, get you yep. in the position of not being able to trust yourself. Right. Right. And you're right. right back around to that point 
right? The trajectory. It, it's breaking the cycle, right? It's like, it's truly stopping that cycle that I've fallen in or whoever, anyone has fallen in it. And yeah, it's just, it, oh, it's so interesting. I talk about it forever. So now going, I, I, I know I feel like people probably think I'm jumping around, but it's just because I have so much I want to talk to you about. So I told Stephanie before, I'm like, we might have to do a part two in the new year um, because there's a lot I could talk about. So going back to, we were talking about relationships and the beginning of a relationship and in a relationship and how, well, I know how important it is, but how important from a therapist's mouth, how important it is, is it um, for sex, sex and intimacy in one's relationship? And then, or at least being on the same page about it. And then what if the two partners are not on the same page about it simply because they had completely different sex drives or schedules or this or that, like mm. then I'm sure you deal with this with couples that have come to you in the past. <laughs> yes. And you know, uh, intimacy, physical intimacy, sex is, um, well, such an inherent and natural piece of relationships. And when the other pieces of the emotion and, and the communication and all the the unspokens that we haven't addressed or attended to are kind of lying between us in the bed, it does make it difficult for us to react kind of spontaneously and authentically and from that heartfelt place of, mm -hmm. of being able to just allow and enjoy sex to be fluid and natural and spontaneous. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. so, you know, th this might be a place, I hope this is okay for me to mention the journals that I have. Yeah, I was, well, was uh, going to bring it up anyway, so perfect. Thank <laughs> you. The, that I recently um, put out a series of three journals that don't go in any specific order at all. But um, the one that I wanted to mention as you bring up sex and intimacy is the Sacred Partnerships one, which I had a, a book reveal um, a month or two ago. And of course, Sacred Partnerships was the one that did not sell. No one really wanted to. A few people had opened the book and said, um, uh, wow, these are really intense questions and kind of scare me. And, mm -hmm. and so I'm leading my way back to sex and intimacy mm -hmm. and how important it is to have a lot of these conversations and dialogue about the things that we're not dialoguing about that lie in mm -hmm. the space between us right and right. how to do that is very difficult and oftentimes couples stop feeling attracted mm -hmm. or alive energized um toward one another when everything that uh, that is inside me is not being spoken of right right when right all right. of those things sort of stay locked within me I don't feel access to that aliveness right so and it's so, not just that there's so, like it's not just the sex piece there's so much that that leads to that and comes that, that are that are um embedded in the fabric I mean I'm using all these metaphors for sheets and the bed no, but, <laughs> and, but it but it, it really it is embedded yeah. in the fabric of of what um separates us or makes mm -hmm. us feel distant Mm -hmm, and again, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm sort of speaking generally, but, uh, um, well, here's a question, right? Page 38, yeah. what is something that happened recently in your relationship that you wish you had responded to differently? Mm -hmm. How did your partner respond? What do you wish he or she would have done differently? Have you tried to repair this rupture? Right, right. Do you have the courage to go back and revisit this incident? even now, no matter how long ago it happened? 
Do you have the courage to apologize or to regain your partner's trust? What about asking for an apology? Right. So these are the sorts of things that are, so something happened and it's still there for me one week, one month, one year later. And we haven't spoken of it. Right. And that's, and these are hard conversations to have. These are hard. And so that's why I do. And and I know you've heard me say this, get a therapist, get someone who can safely help you and your partner discuss some of the things that are very difficult, but lie and live between the two of you. I think, you know, I feel like some, you know, some people like me are obsessed with therapy, a big proponent of it, but other people, you know, when it comes to couples therapy, people might say, well, if we're going to therapy, that means we have an issue, but it doesn't mean they have an issue, right? It just means they want to- I mean, there is no couple that doesn't have things that are not spoken between them. Right. Do we do we label that an issue? I mean, you know, that that has a scary sort of label that that could make people afraid of bringing it in and and talking to someone about right. it. But that's part of the training of being a therapist mm-hmm. is to be able to hold the challenges that the couple is facing. Right. So I'm going to rephrase it as a challenge the couple is facing and and sort of courageously be willing to be vulnerable with a complete stranger, at least for a little while till you get to know that therapist and trust that you might be able to find your way back to each other in a different way with some, some support and some help. Right. And it's, you know, um, you know, I've had friends who before they even got married, they went to therapy and there wasn't even one specific thing they wanted to talk Mm -hmm. about, but of Mm -hmm. course a lot came up in the therapy, but it was just almost for maintenance, for a check-in, for having this, this someone, uh, you know, objectively speaking to you, um, a professional who knows that they're, you know, and well, so I've because everybody comes in with histories, everybody. Yeah. And Julie, I have to say, I have had people reach out that don't even know you and have said, you know, I heard Julie Lauren say, <laughs> and so you should know that your transparency and your willingness to be forthcoming about your experience does impact people. So oh, I, I, I just really want that. you to know that. Thank it, it's, I appreciate It's that. encouraging to other people like uh, that your, your willingness to just be forthcoming. And, and I see it now with movie stars, with Oh, Lady Gaga, Selena Gomez, Um, Selena Gomez. Yeah, it's it's you know, and I I feel like I was more unfiltered, even more unfiltered at one point, and then I feel like look, I I feel like I've always been respectful, I I think, on what I'm talking about, but then I do recognize that there are other people involved in things that I might talk about, and so I pulled it back a little, but I'm still very open about therapy. I'm on Zoloft. I've struggled with anxiety, you know, a large portion of my adult life, and. And that's what I say, like this podcast and, and my blog and my this and my that, like, if it just like inspires, oops, drop something. if it just inspires or motivates or resonates with one person, I feel like it's worth it. Like it's well, just- it has, it has. Oh, and oh, what I'm hearing you say is over time, you have maintained a focus on your own journey, your own struggles, your own right. challenges, right. and you have been more transparent about those mm-hmm. and sort of the details of other people and their journey aren't right. your focus anymore. Right. Right. But it's, you know, it, it, ta- it, it, exactly. And now it's like, I'm just, you know, I'm doing the work on myself. There are things that I want to, that have nothing to do with anyone else, but for me and that, you know, I'm working on. And so it's, and it yeah, inspires I mean, yeah. and incites courage in other people as well. And that's really what I wanted to, 
sort of reflect back sometimes to it scares people I think not scares people sometimes I didn't mean to say scare but sometimes I think the openness and the vulnerability from someone else like even I'm talking to these mega influencers and celebrities it can make people feel uncomfortable and I think that's because it's kind of forcing them to look inside which that's can great, be very scary that's a great maybe. Oh, absolutely. I, I think I mean, there are components of that for sure. I, um, I do want to yeah. read one more question from Sacred Partnerships, if I may, that does yes, relate um, absolutely to your question about intimacy. Yeah. Um, here's one to just explore on your own. And that's why there's self-discovery journals is when your partner reaches for you physically, how do you typically respond? How mm -hmm. has your response to him or her changed over time? Mm -hmm. So these are sort of things to kind of consider in your journey with intimacy and sex that perhaps right. what was once just easy and um, you didn't have to think about it. It was spontaneous. Right. Now over time, things have changed and the two of you are not dialoguing about it. So right. anyway, I just wanted it's to attend to, to that. Right. And to be clear, everyone, I wasn't asking her about my sex life. It was a general question. <laughs> I was just, it's something that comes up. Like even when I was, I was telling a few friends that I was having on the podcast today and they were like, Ooh, can we ask questions? I was like, sure. And so a couple did ask about sex. I already was going to bring that up to you. So I'm glad that, you know, hopefully that was helpful. So something else, there's not really a, a great segue into this. I'm trying to segue it, but I'm not really, I, I, my brain's not working right now because I just thought of something I want to bring up to you. Imposter syndrome. So I like, is that a term? So I was talking about my mom and she had never heard the term. Do you know the term? I have heard the term. Okay. Yes. Like where, you know, you know, you, you have a job and you don't think you're good enough for that role. You don't deserve that role. You're not deserving of that guy. You're not deserving of that girl. Like you're not mm. worth like, do you, I mean, I guess I don't, I thought maybe there's another word for it, but like, I just keep seeing a lot about it on Instagram. And sometimes I think I fully struggle with imposter syndrome. I think we all do to a degree. What are, what are your thoughts mm. on imposter syndrome? Mm -hmm. You know, um, I, I don't really have any, anything off the cuff to kind of offer yeah. you. Of course, yeah. I would want to ask you more specific questions about what's, um, alive and what are you connecting with right. in terms of, um, you know, any stumbling blocks or obstacles that, that get in your way when you think you're not good enough again right. back to trusting yourself right and it it, it has I think it all has to it comes down to self-confidence right and um self-love and I think I'm sure most of us struggle with that on some level I certainly do at times like I you know I I do like I it's been a struggle my whole life and I, I maybe not my whole life I don't remember when it became a struggle but that's something with my therapist in Florida right now that we're that we're talking about like mm. self, and and she actually mentioned imposter syndrome because I was I don't know what I was even talking about but it was something and she's like do you like do you hear yourself my mom will sometimes say that to me she's like do you hear yourself like you are so hard on yourself and I'm it's like, like you can't <laughs> trust the success and the ways in which your efforts have have amounted to a kind of achievement mm -hmm. that um that is now coming through you can't trust that to not only last right. but that in fact you've shown up in this way that has earned that you can't trust that right I, now isn't that but it's like and i know the facts though like i can look at the facts and see the jobs that i've had and the work that i've done and the money that i've made whatever it is but then it's like 
I think some of it, I'm trying to figure this out, but I think some of it is because my path in life in terms of my career, whatever, has maybe not been quote the norm. It's more quote normal now. But when I transferred colleges to go to a fashion school, when I worked in fashion, mm. it wasn't at, now it's like very like everyone's doing it, but it was kind of like, I took a different path. I transferred schools. I, I did this. I changed careers a bunch. I started a podcast. I wrote a book about dating and sex. And while I don't think of myself as a black sheep by any means, I wonder if that's part of it. Like where I feel like because I'm a little, you know, maybe not as much of a conformist as maybe other peers of mine that I get in my head about it. I don't, I, I truly don't know. <laughs> well, and that's certainly worth exploring. Um, you get really scared when you look at the accomplishments that have uh, accumulated over time and that you mm -hmm. have put in the efforts to achieve that mm -hmm. you wonder, is this in fact the right direction? Is this in fact what I should be doing with my time, with my energy? And mm -hmm. I've kind of bounced around to some different things. And I wonder, what does that mean? What do other people think of that? And it makes me scared. And so in fact, I minimize my experience. I minimize right. my efforts in some way that that then sort of put me back in line, that kind of right. put me back in this contained kind of space. Right, right. Which right. is a little less scary. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It, it all goes back to the fear, right? It all goes back to that And to unknown. trusting that, in yeah. fact, part of the beauty of you is this fluid, creative, spontaneous mm -hmm. way mm -hmm. that you open yourself up to whatever's next. And that's mm -hmm. what keeps you alive. That's what keeps your sex life, your, meaning anyone's right, sex right, life, right, right. fresh right. And, and open. When I can, in fact, be open to my experiences being good enough yeah being yeah. just right for me mm -hmm. and owning it and 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 being proud of it like and owning it and being yeah. proud of it yeah. wow it's just crazy Look at like you 30... finding your way in this <laughs> Look at having a therapy session on the podcast but it's true like at 36 years old i'm turning 37 in january in two months i it sometimes i'm like wait i haven't figured this out yet i'm like more than halfway to 40 <laughs> and happening? you've done you figured out what you needed to for yourself yeah, you figured out that it was time for whatever next steps to right. move to Florida to right. to do what you needed to do next right. for yourself. Right, right. Yeah, what a road it's been. Stephanie's been along. It was a long which time. only you could figure out for yourself. No, no one else it's, could do that right. for you. You did right. that for yourself, no, and so this sort of you know back to your your sort of reference to feeling like an imposter. It's like, is this my path? And only you can know. Am I right. doing and, that, and that's where I get like paralyzed. Like, right. I don't know, is it not? <laughs> yes. Well, it is if you're doing it. It is if I'm doing it. And if I decide it's not, then I will deal with that. Then right? you will change directions, madam. Then I, I will change directions. Oh, Stephanie, I love you. Okay, wait, before we wrap, because I'm trying to keep these episodes shorter, will you talk about your journal, where you can get it? And then for oh, any yes, Houston people you. listening, how to work with you? Yes. And um, the journals are now available on Barnes and Noble and on mm -hmm. Amazon. And all you have to do, I think the easiest way I have uh, found to direct people is to put my name in, Stephanie yep. with an F, S-T-E-F-A-N-I-E, Barthmare, B-A-R-T-H-M-A-R-E. That's my name. And um, I, I would love for anyone to 
to get them to journal, to discover more yeah. about their own lives, their own internal mm -hmm. experience. And, and let me know, you can follow I, me on Instagram on the mm -hmm. distinctive practice. Yeah. I think it's just distinctive practice. And I'll link, I'll link to the Instagram oh, and I'll perfect. link to the journal Thank just you. so everyone can click easily in the podcast. Thank but, you. That would so be wonderful. Knows. And then in of terms of working with me, um, I do most of my work virtually, mm -hmm. as I said, and uh, I usually have uh, one day a week that I I'm at my office in Robin Hood and certainly through Instagram or yeah. I'm sure you'll have the link on there. You yeah. can find me yeah. on the back of my journals, how to reach yeah. me. It's true. And I'm not just saying this because she's on the podcast right now, because I've said this to a million people. I have referred her to countless people and everyone has been obsessed and you and Stephanie was actually referred to me from one of my nearest and dearest. And, mm -hmm. uh, and so it's funny that, you know, and then I, it's just, you know, it's how it works. People, you know, you want to go to a therapist who you've been referred to. Too. And oh, uh, she you. she changed my life. So Stephanie, thank you thank so you. much for being on the podcast. Absolute pleasure. I feel honored to be here, mm. and, uh, and I there certainly you have would it. love you to enjoy be this able to answer any other questions or follow up in any way I might not I do that. I, I might have her back because I have a feeling <laughs> well, a lot of you, you are going to um, have enjoyed this because <laughs> I know a lot of my listeners and people I know are very uh, are as into therapy as I am and love understanding the mind and how it all works. So I uh, might have her back, but definitely give her a follow. Definitely check out her journals, check out her website, everything. She's truly a gem. And um, I'm just excited that I was able to introduce her to those of you who don't know her. As always, you can follow me on all social media at by Julie Lauren. And if you have not subscribed to hashtag no filter, please do so. I would appreciate it so much. And as always, thank you so, so much for listening. It means more to me than you'll ever know. I'll talk to you very soon. Bye-bye. Are true. Overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes, the most legendary sauce has arrived. As McDonald's transforms into the anime world of McDonald's, the greatest flavors unite in all-new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece with nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at McDonald's. Ba da ba ba ba. Go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Listening to your favorite podcast? That's smart. Earning your degree online from Southern New Hampshire University? That's really smart. With 24-7 access to coursework, no set class times, and dedicated student support, you can go to school when and where it works for you. Low online tuition means you can even do it for less. And dedicated student support means we'll be with you from day one to graduation and beyond. Join a community of learners just like you. Go to snhu.edu today to start your free application.